Hey, welcome to the Deeply Geeky Podcast, where we believe that pop culture deserves the honor and respect of deep critical analysis. Deeply Geeky is made possible by the support of our Patreon backers, which is to say, if you like this content, please pay for it on patreon.com slash deeplygeeky. All right, so uh, welcome everybody to the first episode of the Deeply Geeky podcast. Deeply Geeky is a new project that I just launched. Uh, It is primarily a YouTube series where we produce video essays about geeky topics and go super into depth. Our first episode was about queer subtext and Harry Potter, and now we're following that up with an even more in-depth talk about that in a podcast. So I am your host, Dave Pickett, and my guest today is Andrew Sims of MuggleCast. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, good to be here on your inaugural episode. Uh, Andrew, is there anything you want to tell us about uh, MuggleCast before we dive in? Uh, Yeah, so MuggleCast has been around since 2005. I've been podcasting for a while. Um, It's We talk about the latest Harry Potter news. We'll talk about anything J.K. Rowling is stirring up in the fandom, (laughs) usually via Twitter these days. Um, There's so many different elements of the Harry Potter fandom. Now, between right. the movies, the theme park, J.K. Rowling's Twitter, uh, all these spin-off books, there's a lot to talk about. So, yeah, we're having fun doing a weekly podcast and and continuing to dive back into the books that we know and love. Right. Well, I mean, it's now officially the Wizarding World, is it not, with uh, the rebrand, recent rebrand? Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's so J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. The, the umbrella that covers the books, the movies, the plays, the theme park the lego sets etc yeah which did you see the lego sets that they just announced last week i did i did i'm not as big of a lego fan as you <laughs> but i can definitely appreciate some cute looking sets so yeah maybe i'll have to buy one uh, the i really like they gave the characters the short legs all the kids they it makes them look extra adorable so <laughs> um yeah, yeah they're very colorful sets i thought yeah um All right, well, let's jump into it. Uh, Queer subtext in Harry Potter. So you've watched uh, the video essay I did, and uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you can go watch that on the Deeply Geeky YouTube channel. But the major points I kind of talk about that is, of course, we have Albus Dumbledore, the one and only gay character in the Wizarding World, which contains, what, 700-some named characters. And he's the only one who's been confirmed to be gay, but that never happened within the text of the books. It was just in J.K. Rowling's interviews and stuff. So there's all the problems around that and the fact that there's an opportunity to show Dumbledore is gay in Fantastic Beasts 2, but David Yates said it's not going to be explicit and we don't know what that means. Yada, yada, yada. We could talk about Dumbledore for an hour. Uh, And then I also kind of went through how kind of Harry's entry into the wizarding world is kind of a big metaphor for growing up queer. Uh, Then looking at Lupin, Sirius, and Tonks and how they might be coded as queer in relationships. I am totally like really hardcore believing now that Lupin is bisexual and nobody can convince me otherwise after doing this. And then I even looked at Fantastic Beast 1, Credence and the Obscurus as a metaphor for LGBTQ youth suicide, and Cursed Child, Albus, and Scorpius, a.k.a. they finally were giving us a gay couple until they didn't. That's the freshest scar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, 
tell me a little bit about, you know, you're gay. What has been your experience as like a Harry Potter fan uh, and, you know, a queer person? Um, well, first of all, I owe the Harry Potter fandom a lot in terms of coming into my own. When I was growing up in suburban southern New Jersey, uh, I didn't really have anybody to confide in. I wasn't really sure about my own sexuality. Um, and I made friends through MuggleCast and MuggleNets, uh, the people who I worked with on on the podcast and website were became great friends of mine. And the Harry Potter fandom, God bless it, has always been very accepting. As long as I can remember, it's been a very accepting bunch because we're all we're all a little strange in the fandom. <laughs> you got to be a little weird to like obsess over Harry Potter websites and do Harry Potter podcasts. So we we kind of all bonded over our differentness, and um, so so Harry Potter gave me friends who I could confide in and when I did come out it was a very it was a pretty slow process it was just like one by one I was coming out to different people and these were only people I knew thanks to the Harry Potter fandom who I would mainly talk to through the internet so um so for me the Harry Potter fandom you know I owe a lot because of that but also um there is this issue about J.K. Rowling not exactly being very forward with the sexuality of her characters, namely Dumbledore. Um, it, it's It's been a longstanding issue, and it's gotten worse, especially yeah. with Fantastic Beasts and David Yates's comments. So while I know J.K. Rowling strongly supports the LGBTQ community, and while I have the fandom to thank for who I am today. I'm also very concerned about where it's going right now. It's 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 high time that things got explicitly gay in the Harry Potter fandom <laughs> in the uh, series. 100%. Well, it's I was thinking about this today. The the timing of Harry Potter uh and fandom is very interesting because it like was perfectly timed with the rise of the internet in a way that no other fandom really was like, yes, there were people writing fanfics about uh, Kirk and Spock way back in the day, you know, in the seventies or whatever, but they weren't at, able to get the attention that Harry Potter fan fiction was. And the fact that Harry Potter was first and foes, first and foremost, like a written text, I think it inspired fan fiction in a way that other things didn't and that it grew at the time of the internet. And as like all of these other things, you know, are growing in like the social consciousness and it tapped into things right. like Harry Potter fandom is just like, you know, it like redefined. I mean, you could probably talk about that, but like just how it's come to define what fandom is these days yeah. uh, is really interesting. I don't know if you have yeah. Thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, MuggleNet got started. I didn't start it, um, but uh, Emerson Sparks, who founded the site, started it in fall 1999. And, of course, that was very early days of the internet. And I think what people loved about MuggleNet so much was that, you know, they would they would get on their AOL dial-up and they would somehow come across MuggleNet, I guess, through searching. And um, they just found this amazing additional resource that they would never had 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 have have had otherwise if it weren't for this newfound internet. Yeah. And so it was just very exciting to be able to find fellow Harry Potter fans because 
as you say, Harry Potter was coming up around this time. Uh, so you didn't really you didn't really know who liked Harry Potter and who didn't in the real world. And then you right. suddenly found tons of people online who were very interested. Um, so, yeah, I think the Harry it, 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 it is so true that Harry Potter and the Internet were growing at the same time. And our social values have been evolving at the same time as well. Harry Potter and, and just America's social values and um, uh, accepting gay people that, you know, has has made huge strides in the past 10, 20 years. Uh, but in a way, Harry Potter has kind of fallen behind there. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, In my research for the video, I found some articles talking about a study that showed that you know, kids who had read Harry Potter were more likely to be accepting of LGBTQ people, which makes a lot of sense since it's all about kind of love and acceptance and, you know, people who are outsiders and that. But yet then at the same time, uh, you know, there's this just huge uh, lack of representation. So, yeah, it's it's such a weird, interesting uh phenomenon uh and you know it's not really a phenomenon it's just like choices by jk rowling and the powers that be in her you know yeah warner brothers conglomerate of whoever's making dis- the decisions right and 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 that is a big question you do have to wonder at this point because jk rowling is so accepting and she's taught these great lessons in her book you don't want to think that warner brothers is controlling her there like oh don't make dumbledore gay in the movies the world isn't ready for that yet you have to think that she's so powerful that she can do whatever she wants so i'm i'm hoping that that is not the case but it's a possibility because it's it's hard to explain it otherwise right yeah and i mean okay so there are what a total of five fantastic beast movies plans which seemed excessive when i thought they were all going to be about beasts but now that it's clear (laughs) uh that it's really going to be about grindelwald and his rise to power and all that uh okay five movies sure so i get that there are still three more movies in which they can explore uh dumbledore and grindelwald's relationship whatever that was or is because you know we've only gotten you know kind of cursory notes about it uh when it's been discussed so you know obviously there's still more opportunities uh and we don't even know what's going to be in fantastic beast 2 you know what david yates thinks of as explicit might uh not be what we were thinking right like yeah all, all i was really hoping for in this movie was you know in some way dumbledore referencing the fact that you know he was in love with Grindelwald, right? Like when he was younger, right? That is a huge explanation for why, for what his motivations are in pursuing Grindelwald and, you know, why he might not want to move directly and is using newts or, you know, whatever is going to be happening based on what we've seen in the trailer. But, and that to me would be explicit because it would be the first time Dumbledore said anything like that, you know, officially. Right. Right, and and it just makes perfect sense because how is Dumbledore explaining the situation to Newt without including that bit of information about his interests? And we've also heard like um, they're casting younger, younger, younger Grindelwald and younger, younger Dumbledore, and ah. the assumption was there's going to be some flashbacks, and those types right. of flashback scenes could um, help explain the story. Right. Uh, but but I've been joking that like in the Harry Potter series, um, 
Dumbledore does have a habit of withholding information yeah, from Harry, I, <laughs> so it wouldn't be out of line in terms of his characters to uh, hold that back for a while. Like suddenly, you know, he's going to be like, Newt, sit down. I have to tell you something. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, no, I mean, okay. like, yeah, Dumbledore's whole character is like withholding key information from people. Uh, yeah, that yeah is... he loves to do that. And uh you know, I mean, obviously, a lot of how J.K. Rowling has written him as kind of this, like, he had a young love that scarred him and then, you know, never loved again. Uh, it, it makes sense that he would not necessarily be forthcoming with his deep personal tragedy. tragedy. But uh, we'll see, I guess, with Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's also, there's been so many other opportunities to mention Dumbledore's gayness. Uh, canonically at this point, right? Like, how much stuff has she written for Pottermore, uh, you know, that's official uh, one-off stories, and uh, how, you know, it could have featured in The Cursed Child considering albus is named after him right (laughs) right that's that's a very good point actually i hadn't thought about it being worked into the cursed child that would have been a great way to make up for the fact that for anyone who doesn't know jk rowling said in an interview in 2007 that was where she said i always thought dumbledore to be gay and that shook the world at the time i was actually at that event and i just remember running to the nearest apple store hopping on one of those computers and writing a post on MuggleNet, breaking news (laughs) yeah no my my friend was also at the event and she said that the room like erupted into like applause and celebration at that comment more than like anything else yeah and you know what a couple months ago i was reading the transcript of that uh moment back and after but after everybody applauded, she was like, oh, if I knew you all were going to react that way, I would have told you a lot sooner, oh which God. is which is funny now because she noted in that moment the big response. So why didn't she do more after that? Yeah. So are you familiar with the concept of virtue signaling? Yeah. Yeah. So I this is something that I learned about in the process of doing this research, the idea of you want to get credit for being progressive or sharing the virtues of some group. In this case, it would be, you know, progressive people who like LGBTQ rights and acceptance. Uh, but you don't necessarily put yourself at risk in any way, shape or form. So it's like signing the petition, but not ever going to the protest. Or in this case, saying that Dumbledore is gay, but never actually, you know, jeopardizing the international sales of your books or movies by putting in that in there, which would cause it to be banned or, uh, you know, uh, censored in other countries. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I'd like to think that she's above that now. And yet it's still so confusing as to why there hasn't been more. Right. I mean, and especially, and she hasn't had a great track record in terms of like taking credit for, let's say Hermione being re cast by uh with a black actor for the cursed child and saying like oh well i didn't not say that she wasn't black right she doesn't ever say like well it was my idea but she kind of like takes credit for being okay with it even though it's not like she did anything to make that happen and ditto kind of saying well of course there were jewish students at hogwarts (laughs) uh i'm sure you saw that whole tweet debacle so um as, and like I get it, she wrote it in the '90s, right? And like she wrote it at a time where 
not all of these things were as top of mind as they are now, 20 years later. But, you know, I feel like it would be better if she would just acknowledge, like, I didn't put this stuff in. Uh, I should. Let me write something to just, like, show this or at least give you the names of some people. I don't know. It's like she has so many characters that she could just retroactively uh, re uh, do something with. Um, yeah. Give them the give them what they deserve. And I mean, right now she's kind of on thin ice with Fantastic Beasts because of the whole Johnny Depp situation. Yeah. So so she has an opportunity to you know, between that and then the the David Yates's very bad comments about him not being explicitly gay. It, it's just like there's a couple of things that I see a lot of fellow Harry Potter fans on social media saying I've, I'm just out of patience already with this franchise because it's not doing anything for me. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so right. It's like, I was just thinking about this. This franchise has a theme park, multiple theme parks, right? Like mm-hmm. this, multiple locations. Like this is a massive entertainment franchise. And um, it's, you know, it, it feels like, you know, at least, okay, so Marvel has not been great about putting uh, gay characters in their movies, right? We just got some last week with Deadpool 2, but at least their comics, right, have some of these characters. So there is some somewhere within, you know, the Marvel uh, canon, as it were, uh, you know, some of these other entertainment franchises that maybe haven't gotten there with their Hollywood movies, at least have representation in other parts of their work. But really, no part of Harry Potter has any of this. And it's kind of up there with all these other franchises in terms of, yeah. like, its impact globally. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Um, and I would blame Disney there for, uh, for characters not having uh, gay relationships in their films because you remember the... Uh, Beauty and the Beast drama. <laughs> there's like <laughs> oh that blink and you miss it moment, and they're like, Lefou. "Oh yeah, there's gay characters, yeah." And uh, right, yeah, and then um, and then with uh, Star Wars, there was Finn Poe, and yep. that one we wrote. So one of our writers wrote an amazing article on Hypeable about how they might be setting that up, and that article went absolutely viral because you could really feel it and see it on screen, and uh, it doesn't look like that's happening in, in the yeah. series now. I'm still hoping that at least Poe will be queer, right? Because they've written that he has like this necklace that's for his quote future partner, uh, mm. right? And um, right, he could still be into Finn and that be unreciprocated, uh, right? I don't necessarily need Finn and Poe to wind up together, even though they obviously belong together, um, as long <laughs> as they at least like acknowledge that like. Poe is, you know, queer, pansexual, landosexual, whatever they want to say, uh, yeah. you know, uh, like just. I think what it ultimately comes down to is these international box offices because they're afraid of it being barred in some countries. Right. And, you know, if that's what it is, it would be great if they would just own that. Right. And just yeah. say, like, this is what it is. Like, we put it in Deadpool 2 because that gets most of its uh, box office domestically. It's R-rated, so we just have, like, you know, it wasn't right. going to bring in money in China anyway, so we don't care that it would be banned there. Or they could release the gay version here and <laughs> censor it internationally. Like, they, they yeah. do 
different international releases of some uh, movies anyway. Someone was telling me about how like Ultron or Avengers 2 Age of Ultron has a whole subplot with uh, like this Asian scientist that's cut from the American version, but is in the international version. Oh, um, wow. Similar to how like when Godzilla came to America, they threw in an American character uh, and have all these scenes that are just jutted in kind of randomly just so we have someone to connect to. Like I'm totally fine with them giving us a queer character and cutting the explicit, uh, you know, gay scenes out for an international release. Like at least then they're being frank about why they're doing what they're doing and not trying to kind of like appease us without actually giving us anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, similarly, I think with beauty and the beast, a country cut out the LeFou, Mo- very quick moment of dancing it's like oh it's... my god i i had i had not seen beauty and the beast in theaters because i just like i it did i had zero interest but i i uh, recently rented the movie just to look for that moment i was like that was literally one second where he danced with a man <laughs> in a group dancing scenario it's not even clear that they're choosing to dance together they just happen to dance together right. for a like second they, right and they raise an eyebrow, kind of. Right. right? It, could, it could have been spun as like, oh, they just accidentally started dancing in the, in the craziness of the moment. Ha, ha, ha. Or, you know, this is a dance where people dance with same-sex partners just because it's like, it doesn't matter who you dance with for five seconds. You know, yeah. like, right. there's, there's, that happens probably in square dancing, too, that two men <laughs> randomly dance together for a second. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't really do that much square dancing. So. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that they made this huge thing about it in the press tour before the movie came out that, like, ah, our first officially gay character and this exclusive moment. And it wasn't even yeah, a moment. Right, right. There was, like, an exclusive in, like, People magazine or something, like, Disney introduces Gay LeFou or something like that. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, like Finding Dory. Uh, I guess there was oh, like yeah. a big hubbub about like the fact that, yeah, there's two women who touch each other uh, after seeing a baby in a stroller. So, you know, they're not even like officially lesbians. Right. Uh, they could I just mean, be two women next to each other. <laughs> right. For a variety of reasons. Yeah. But uh, that I think, yeah, again, like there was. Uh, uh, talk about like boycotting the movie because of that one second scene. Um, so it's it's very depressing to to like see all this and like have all this ado made about nothing. So yeah, these studios and creators like J.K. Rowling just need to put their feet down, their foot down, and say, "I don't give a beep." Can we curse right. on this podcast? I don't. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, cur- curse away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck what people think. I'm gonna do what I think is right. Yeah. No. I mean, that would be really refreshing. And I mean, obviously, there are you know plenty of people out there creating queer content, but you know, uh, yeah. a lot of that does not get wide release. Uh, Love Simon and uh, Call Me by Your Name are obviously two queer-centric films uh, that uh, got wide releases. Of course, they're both focused on, like, white, cisgender gay people. So, you know, still we're not really getting any uh, people of color or, you know, many of the other intersectional aspects of this. But, um, but yeah, especially, like, geek cinema and geek media um, have really failed. And, yeah, as, like, somebody who identifies equally as queer and geek, 
it's really hard <laughs> that there's like nothing in that little bit of a Venn diagram there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's when you got to go to the fan fiction, I guess. <laughs> so speaking of which, how much have you delved into fan fiction as, uh, you know, a basically a professional fan is how I think of you? <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, I haven't. I'm sorry for the disappointing answer, but I just never got into fan fiction. It wasn't my thing. Um, however, I will say that I was so shook after uh, Albus and Scorpius happened that I wrote my own fan fiction, <laughs> <laughs> which I had never done before. And I host, I posted it on Hypable. It's extremely graphic. Like, I am not kidding. It's very, very graphic. But I had to do it. Right. <laughs> I had to get it out there because, because like, a lot of people who write fan fiction, they see things to be a certain way when they read what is canon, and then they just take it under their wing. Yeah. So that that's that's it for that's it for me. I, I have a hard enough time keeping up with official canon in the right. various fandoms. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, you would, wouldn't want to get too many uh, other things caught in your head that you might confuse for having actually happened. That's a very good point, too, actually, doing it on the podcast. Um, but yeah, how about you? Did you... Do you read fan fiction? Um, not a, a lot. So I have a friend. She reads a lot of fan fiction. Um, you know, she got into it mostly with Harry Potter, I think. But, you know, she now reads Finpo and all sorts of other stuff. But um, so I, she will give me recommendations. So I've read some great, like, Torchwood, Doctor Who fan fiction. And, you know, like, Torchwood actually had gay characters. So that was great. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I read a whole basically book length fan fiction that was like just a different book seven, uh, for <laughs> Harry Potter, uh, which focuses on, uh, a teenage version of Sirius, uh, coming back to life through the Marauders map and that he's gay and he falls in love with Harry and it's kind of weird, but it's also really good. Yeah. Uh, it's called Cartographer's Craft. Um, so, uh, yeah. And like, uh, I mean, I read like a Indiana Jones slash Voldemort fan fiction once, you know, <laughs> there's like, what's great about that is like any pairing you could ever imagine, like somebody has written and hopefully somebody else has written it well, but you know, uh, yeah, like, uh, some things it's just like, uh, like, uh, I, I got it. I'm not super into supernatural, but I've watched enough of it to realize that like Dean and Castiel are meant for each other. So I had to look <laughs> up some of that cause I know it'll never happen in the show. Right. So, yeah. Um, what was your, how did you like kind of take in Albus and Scorpius when that happened? Cause re did you see the play? Did you read the script first? Yeah. So, um, we, me and a bunch of other hypable writers, when tickets originally went on sale for London, we jumped on the very first show because we wanted to write about it, you know, cover it correctly. And so we saw the very first public performance. And I was convinced at by the end of part one that these two were going to end up with each other because there's a staircase scene. Mm -hmm. Um, it's only about a page, maybe just half a page in the script. But if, but if you see the show, it's it's at least a minute long, and they're dancing essentially across from one another, up and down stairs, looking at each other longingly. And there are various moments in the play where they just just confess how much they 
love each other in a platonic way. <laughs> um, you know, things I can't remember who says it to who, but one of them says to the other, like, I can't imagine my life uh, without you in it. Uh, I, I would, yeah. I would be in a hole with you for 40 years if it had to be that way. Stuff like that. Just making these very striking remarks, which are very adorable. But it's also like you are setting them up to be gay. And then, um, as I think you put in your video, the situation gets no homo at the end when Scorpius asks Rose Granger Weasley out for a date. Right. And (sighs) have you seen the show? I haven't seen it. I'm hoping to see it while it's in New York, uh, you know, because that's easier to get to than London for me. Right. uh, From (laughs) Chicago. Uh, But, you know, I've read uh, the the script and I've read people talking about the show and how, you know, the staircase moment, well, it doesn't come across. uh, I mean, it comes across pretty strongly in the text, too, but like seeing it like. The music, the the visuals, like it's all about, you know, how desolated they are to be apart. And uh, I mean, multiple right. characters throughout are commenting on, you know, how good they are for each other, how they belong together. I think they're even compared to like Snape and Lily by somebody. I couldn't find the exact point where somebody does that, but... Um, or Snape talks about like, he understands, you know, doing this for somebody because of what he does for Lily and right. Yeah. There's something like that. So, um, you know, there's, yeah, it, it, it feels, I mean, it's the most important relationship in the whole show and it just feels like, yeah, it's being set up for that. And, you know, I, I'm sure Rose Grangely uh, Weasley uh, Granger is amazing, but she's barely in the show, right? She just shows up, drops some exposition. Yeah. There's no chemistry between her, her and Scorpius. And, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's really only at the very beginning and the very end of the show. She she has no... She's not involved in the main events of the play, of the time-turning of, of any of that. Right. And, uh, yeah, so it's... Um, yeah, and I mean, I get that it was written by, like, a straight dude, right? Like, because it wasn't written by JK. It was written by, what, Jack Thorne? Jack Thorne, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe he just, like, is totally oblivious to what he did. and But I don't know. It just seems like a huge missed opportunity. And, like, it's just one of those things, like, how, how did they not see this? Like, how did right. they write this like this and, you know... Especially when it's for theater, where <laughs> attendees usually are more open to right. diversity. <laughs> so, like, right, they don't have the international box office excuse there because, yeah. like, it was literally—it's been in London and New York, like, yeah. gay capitals of the world. Right. Um, I, they, it was. It was all teed up. They surely saw it. So some of them must have. And now in interviews, like sometimes you'll hear them ask the cast about that. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I could see how some people would see it that way. But, you know, Ugh. we actors, we play it our own way and blah, blah, blah. It's like, come yeah. on. But, yeah, that, that staircase scene, it's, 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 uh, it's rough to watch in, yeah. in hindsight. 
Um, so what about the broader, or what about the broader, you know, Harry Potter world? Are there any characters that, you know, as a fan, as you've read them, you've kind of seen as feeling queer in one way or another, or, you know, ways you've related to different characters? Um, you know, not really, because when I was growing up reading the books, um, I first started reading them when I was in fourth grade. And so I grew up not knowing my own sexuality probably till I was uh, late teens, early 20s. And by then, the final Harry Potter book was coming out. So I never really established any of these characters like as, oh, they could be gay. Right. Um, I, I, so honestly, no, I didn't have that experience. Even reading back now, I guess they're just all so a certain way in my head i don't really see it yeah um however talking about the present day series fantastic beasts credence is definitely somebody who um has is is still figuring out who he is right um and you mentioned in the video that the obscurus is is good subtext for that uh I think he could even potentially be a gay character. It's it's not just that he has to withhold his magic, uh, but he might be withholding his sexuality as, as well. Right. Because uh, I think you also spoke in the video about his mom being this this woman who represses his magic, who tries to get it out of him. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, he, yeah, suffers, like, worse abuse than Harry ever did, um, who already suffered a lot of abuse, um, specifically around, yeah, repressing his magic, repressing who he is. And, you know, Grindelwald is like tempting Credence with like, oh, you know, I'll be able to train you in magic and yeah. has all these caressing, creepy moment moments. Yeah. And we don't really know what Grindelwald's sexuality is. We know that he manipulates people. Um, so this could just be him like being super manipulative. But, you know, they are these very charged kind of like, creepy uh moments with Grindelwald um and you know the actor who plays him Ezra Miller is also bisexual so uh you know I feel like he brought a lot of that to the performance as well so I'm interested to see where they go with his character in Fantastic Beasts 2 and beyond because uh, I do agree that there is an opportunity there as well to maybe have a queer character who actually has a relationship that's healthy with somebody. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to Dumbledore. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just thinking you said that, um, uh, Graves slash Grindelwald was manipulating him. I, I wonder if Grindelwald was taking advantage of the fact that maybe he senses that he's gay because you're right. There was some caressing going on. And I still remember first, First, the first time watching it and being like, "Oh, whoa, wait, wait, are we getting gay already?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this is moving quicker than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, but also, there's a popular theory that Dumbledore's sister Ariana was an Obscurus, and right. we know Credence is. So maybe there's going to be a connection there. Dumbledore can relate to uh, Credence not only because of his sexuality, but also because of the dangers of being obscurus and, and right. Dumbledore's losing Ariana, um, you know, really destroyed him. And that's yeah. one reason why he can't face Grindelwald. So there's a lot of overlap 
there actually between Dumbledore, Grindelwald, Credence, if Credence is gay. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I think um, it's now that you mentioned it, it, it's pretty obvious um, looking back on Ariana's story, you know, how she couldn't control it. She had these outbursts and she was thought to not have magic or, you know, something around that. Uh, that definitely make her seem like obscurest material. And the fact that Credence is still around and has said will be an important character, I can definitely see like Dumbledore and Grindelwald relating to Credence based on their previous relationship with uh, Ariana. And uh, yeah, lots of, there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff to explore there. I, I agree. Yeah. So, uh We'll see. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's that, that's the other frustrating thing about this is when David Yates said not explicitly in the next movie, we were like, oh, great. So now we have to wait till 2020 to see yeah. something. Because some people are like, oh, just wait, just wait. We've been waiting forever. It's time <laughs> to finally do something. Right. We've been waiting a decade and a year <laughs> since Dumbledore was announced to be gay. Yeah. Right. Like- Can you please insert one character <laughs> in one of these stories? To to appeal to the fandom that consists of a lot of LGBTQ people. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like also it's just a disservice to the character of Dumbledore to yeah. not have... And I mean, also, like, I mean, Jude Law's vest game is super strong just based on the trailer. Like, I mean, just like, I just really want him to be able to play with, like, the full range of this character's, like, right. complexity. Because... I mean, Dumbledore is just such a fascinating character, uh, you know, just like this deeply compassionate, com- deeply compassionate, compassionate. I can say that word. And <laughs> but also super manipulative character. And it's like the, these incredible contrasts. And, you know. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, I used to play this game with friends where I'd ask them to rank wizards, um, uh, you know, Dumbledore, Merlin, and Gandalf, you know, like to, to me, like three very prototypical, you know, like wizard wizards. And, you know, for me, Dumbledore was always the top because he was like the most interesting, compelling human of those wizards. Um, whereas, you know, Gandalf literally gets resurrected and whatever, and Merlin's experiencing time backwards you can't relate to those people but Dumbledore is like this amazing powerful person who's also deeply flawed deeply compassionate deeply human so yeah um and yeah. I like what you said about it being a disservice to his character because also he he wouldn't stay in the closet right at this point at this age he'd, he'd be he'd be proud of who he is yeah well and also it'd be really interesting to know how the wizarding world feels about queer people. Um, Like that's always what I'm interested in, in like, you know, made up universes is how some of the issues we deal with in the real world translate into that place. Um, Yeah. And um, you know, this is set in the 1920s, not a great time to be gay, but also kind of because it was in like this weird period where like, I think that's like when, all the like gay nightlife in Berlin was happening because it was between the wars. So Mm. this could have also been a really super gay time in Europe. Uh, So are there like gay wizard bars in Paris? You know, right? Like, yeah, it's a good question. These are, these are the types of things we talk about on MuggleCast all the time. It's like how, 
you know, how would wizards handle just over Mother's Day? We were talking about like how do you how do you raise a kid in the wizarding world? How yeah. do you teach them about spells and how to not do spells and you know not touch not touch the parents' wand stuff like that? Yeah. There's a ton of interesting questions there about how how the wizarding world handles things we find ordinary in the in the Muggle world. Yeah, I was talking to somebody to. Um... Andrew, not you, Andrew, a different Andrew, who edited um, the Deeply Geeky video about the the paintings in, you know, the Harry Potter verse that are, you know, basically sentient beings, right? Yeah. They can have conversations, they relay information, and just like, how do those get painted? Is there a special type of paint? Can anyone do it? Mm. Like, how is it related? Because it's, it's low-key kind of like a horcrux, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that's just, a very good question. And are there, wouldn't Voldemort also have had a ton of portraits somewhere just so like <laughs> right? he could relay uh, messages in case, uh, you know, he got uh, turned into weird spirit baby, whatever he was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in between the air. Like there's just so much stuff that could be explored. You know, I just, I really love the universe that's been created and I just wish they would kind of open it up more you know i i feel like this is it's at a a weird point where it's really grown beyond what one person can truly manage right like jk rowling there's too much content being created at this point for her to do all of it right Uh, and but she still is in this position of like you know the creator um yeah And and i I Go think ahead. that's something that the franchise is, is going to be dealing with in bigger ways over the next decade. I, yeah. I think one of the striking things is you, you mentioned it's the, the, the umbrella is now just, I called it J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. The Loco doesn't even have her name on it anymore. Right. It just says Wizarding, the Wizarding World. World. Yeah. yeah, and I think that is their gateway to start letting other creators in. And yeah. then we can have more of these opportunities, hopefully. Um, like I think a TV series is is inevitable. Oh yeah! Like if Amazon paid how many million f- or a billion for the Lord of the Rings, imagine how much uh, a streaming service will pay for a Harry Potter TV series. Exactly. Or they a got Wizarding compete. World. Yeah. Like Apple, Apple still needs like a big one. They're putting together their own their yeah. own TV originals right now. They still need a big brand like Stranger Things or Lord of the Rings or right. or Disney's Netflix that they're putting together. Like. Somebody needs to nab Harry Potter, so I find that inevitable, and maybe we'll get some gay characters in that. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, I think if you look at what's been happening with Star Wars since you know it left, since Disney bought Lucasfilm, essentially is what happened, right? But like Lucas is no longer the the person who has authority over Star Wars, right? There are now multiple people, like everybody's getting a trilogy now, uh, right? Because there's like, how many trilogies have they announced are happening? Like I can't yeah, even keep track of them. The, the Game of Thrones show showrunners are doing one. Jon Favreau's doing the one for the Disney Netflix. So and there's, there's at least two. Oh, oh yeah, and, and, uh, and uh, the guy who did um, Last Jedi, he has a Yeah, Rian trilogy. Johnson. Rian, right, yeah. He's t- so there's like all these Star Wars projects being announced. I want that many Harry Potter projects so that we can know. start to get other takes on this universe or explore other parts of it. And yeah, yeah. And I so and that's my point. I do think there it's going to be a slow transition that you kind of see it now with these video games are starting to uh, release. Like they're not canon. They say. Mm. Um, I do think the TV series will be canon, but right between like. 
stretching their wings with the video games and the cursed child and the wizarding world dropping jk rowling's name in the logo i I think all it would take is jk rowling being like hey i had a hand in hiring this creator i believe that they're going to do a great job with right let's say a tv series i think with jk rowling's firm blessing it (laughs) could be very very good i say firm blessing because like cursed child like she's she's still to yet to like actually talk about any of the plot (laughs) (laughs) yeah it kind of exists like this ascended fanfic uh, right right where yeah for what it's worth she did say it she considers it canon but right i still want to hear like did you have bellatrix and voldemort's relationship in your head like (laughs) yeah that's uh yeah some parts of it are fun to add to the canon like scorbus uh and other parts like uh yeah Dumbledore or not Dumbledore Voldemort's daughter are like uh, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, personally I um, imagine that totally happening versus magical artificial insemination like I do not imagine any actual sex taking place there because Voldemort's (laughs) super weird (laughs) that's how I I dealt with it yeah and that's that's one reason it's it's so bizarre it just like came out of nowhere Um, it's certainly good for theater it certainly creates a shocking moment but I don't know. It just doesn't really add up in canon. Oh, yeah. I guess I should have also said at the beginning of this, spoiler spoiler alert for everything <laughs> Harry Potter ever. Um, all right. Well, we're let's talk about just... I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, but I wanted to briefly touch on some recent you know, queer characters. So we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but Lando Calrissian has been officially announced to be off-screen pansexual (laughs) yeah Uh, as of like less than a week ago um and uh solo a star wars story is about to come out so i'm excited to see donald glover in that role i already was but like now like this is actually makes it less exciting for me because it's like i would have just been fine to watch lando and just enjoy him being lando but now there's like this oh well he should have been queer uh and they didn't make him queer right 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 you gotta watch you're you're like watching out for it now you're watching out for hints right and it's it's baffling to me that so many studios keep doing this like you know outing a character in the press tour even though there's nothing actually in the content that uh confirms it because it actually makes me angry it doesn't make me happy or feel included or represented so I don't know how you felt about Lando, but it was a big sigh from me. Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty casual Star Wars fan, not hardcore like you might be or <laughs> others who were reacting to this news. But yeah, it, it it is a sigh because it's the same thing that happened with J.K. Rowling. She's she's announcing it after the fact. Right. Oh yeah, I uh, I came up with a term for it, which is extra textual homosexual. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue nicely. Right. Uh, I like rhyming things. Uh, yeah. Did you see Deadpool two? I did. Yeah. So that was great, right? We got Negasonic Teenage Warhead and uh, her girlfriend Yuki Yukio Yukio, yeah. um, just like casually being a couple. Uh, they didn't really do much more than hold hands a little bit, but uh, it was. I think our first really like on-screen gay superhero in a Hollywood movie. So, yeah, and it, and it seems like Deadpool is one of those. You, you know, you earlier you mentioned it being R-rated, so they don't have to appeal to kids, or maybe don't worry about the international market because a lot of the money comes in domestically. That's just a that's just a franchise that doesn't give a fuck. They're yeah. like, we're gonna do what we want. It's 
you know, if if they were if Deadpool was like officially part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like I know it's officially Marvel, but it's not like in the Avengers storyline. Right. This would be a whole different ball game. But Deadpool exists outside of that Avengers MCU bubble, and it's really refreshing to see um, a, a superhero story that that takes risks and pays off in an amazing way. I mean, the movie's hilarious. Um, her sexuality doesn't stand out. It's not like, oh my God, we have to stop everything. It's just a part of the plot. It doesn't, right. it doesn't disrupt anything. Yeah, I mean, it's as much there as um, Domino being black or uh, Fire Fist being plus-sized, as they say at one point. Like, <laughs> It's just like part of uh who they are and they don't spend a lot of time on it but it's there and like visually at least you know surface level we're getting more representation than basically all of the marvel cinematic universe in that respect uh you know maybe aside from like black panther but you know uh (laughs) uh yeah just it was it was it's such a good proof point of like how easy it is to like add uh representation and diversity uh, and just, you know, move on with whatever you're doing. Yeah. And, um, and Black Panther was hopefully a learning lesson for Marvel because I don't think anyone expected the box office to be that big. Right. Which is, you know, uh, they they should have. Uh, but yeah. I know. Yeah. And I mean, what it really showed was there was a demand for right. diverse blockbusters. Um, and I don't know how closely you followed this, but um, the one thing I do want to say about Black Panther, in addition to being awesome, is that is another example of where they kind of um, wimped out on having queer representation. Um, so Okoye, uh, you know, the lead of the Dora Milaje, the police force, originally was supposed to have like a queer moment with one of the other fighters, but then they cut that and gave her a heterosexual relationship instead. Um, so that's like, uh, that would have made that movie like the best movie of all time if they had just like gone the original direction with that. Um, yeah. and, uh, similarly like Valkyrie and Thor Ragnarok had like a cut scene. I believe, I think they even filmed it or maybe it was cut from the script, but where she just casually like, um, a woman walks out of Valkyrie's room, like indicating that they slept together. Right. Just like a moment uh, before Mm. something else happens. And it's like, I think Deadpool two is a proof point that like, no, you could have kept that in. It would have not distracted from the movie and uh, it would have added some depth to a character. Um, And, you know, it's sad that like, these are like the little nuggets that those of us who like follow this beat of queer representation in Hollywood, like have to like grasp onto, like they almost put this moment in this movie. <laughs> so uh, exciting. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause like Tessa Thompson has come out and said like, I played Valkyrie as bisexual. She's canonically bisexual <laughs> in the comics. There's a moment where she's like reaching for one of the other Valkyrie war warriors as it, she's dying. And she's like, I played that moment as if that woman, was my my lover uh and so like the way she's looking at her and like reaching out uh you know that was like all she could do (laughs) and it's like um you know speaking of all these movies where we're getting screwed over um yeah (laughs) i will just briefly mention that netflix is about to release an original movie on june 8th called alex strange love oh yeah and this is about a high school senior who has a girlfriend 
but then he meets a gay guy in school and he realizes that he actually might have feelings for him. So this is actually showing bisexuality and it's, it's a Netflix original movie. So if you want to support movies that are actually showing different, uh, forms of sexuality, check this out on June 8th. It looks cute. That's great. No, I was going to ask, yeah, if you had any other recommendations for like positive LGBTQ representation, especially in like kind of geeky uh, media. Mine, uh, which I said in the thing, is Steven Universe. Um, It's just like packed full of queer characters. It's a lot of subtext, but it's like so clear uh you know it it doesn't really i mean it's like they've had uh it certain episodes like dubbed or banned in other countries because it's so gay which is like (laughs) again to me a positive sign like they went for it and then you know dealt with the consequences elsewhere so right and didn't care they did it anyway because they thought it was the right thing to do right um yeah you know i i have i haven't read like lgbt fantasy or uh really into any lgbt themed tv series but i have heard of the series called a darker shade of magic mm, yeah my husband read that and has been telling me i need to read it so okay i, I literally have it uh sitting on a shelf uh, uh, I, I think also there's what is the one about witches it's like uh something of a uh, something of witches I'll, I'll look it up later. But yeah, okay. I, I know there are like a lot of books out there that are, you know, uh, doing this really well. Yeah. And this is on my to read list because apparently it um, it's also very good with feminism and it features people of color and uh, non-toxic masculinity. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, all of those things are great. Um, the other thing that I watched recently, which was really awesome, was um, Janelle Monae's Dirty Computer. I don't know if you're familiar with. Janelle I heard Monet. about that. Yeah, so uh, Janelle Monae just released a new album, uh, "Dirty Computer," and uh, she also came out as I think she came out as queer. She's bi or pan. You know, I mean, these days we kind of use a whole bunch of terms to say one thing sometimes. Um, but uh, so the she also released with the album a. Uh, emotion picture so it's basically a bunch of the um music videos for the singles put together with a framework so it's kind of you know like a lemonade style thing but it's uh, Mm. a futuristic queer sci-fi thing so uh her and her you know male and female lovers are having their minds erased but also you know you see their memories of when they were just you know hanging out having sexy fun times on the beach also yeah. so it's a cool. fun like bisexual sci-fi uh thing that just dropped pretty recently uh huh. that i enjoyed watching so well slowly but surely we're getting more it's taking a while but it's kind um, of happening yeah so um well we're coming up on the hour mark here so uh i'm just gonna wrap that up did you have any final thoughts uh you wanted to bring up before we wrap here um, no, I think, I think it was a fun discussion. I, I, I have faith that if, you know, JK Rowling doesn't really give us what we want, uh, the fandom is going to stick together and support each other's original works. If it's my really gross cursed child fan fiction, or maybe <laughs> if it's something more child friendly or family friendly, uh, 
no, I, I really just want to say again that I, I absolutely love the Harry Potter fandom. It's it's such a weird conflict because it's like it's it's it helped me come out. It right. It let me meet other people who are gay. I don't know where I would be without the fandom, and yet there is that big hole. So. Um, you know, as with a lot of these types of issues in our world today, it's, it's a slow battle. Yeah, no, I think that's really, I'm really glad you said that, you know, that's something I like to emphasize a lot as like a a geek who also is, you know, an intellectual and a progressive, like I love the things I'm talking about. I wouldn't be talking about Harry Potter if it didn't mean a lot to me. Uh, but you, you can love a thing and then also have a problem notice problematic aspects of it and be like yeah i love this but i'd love it even more if this and yep. uh so i think and that's a hard thing in you know fan culture sometimes where it's like this is my identity and anyone who uh criticizes in any way is not a true fan is attacking me i'm like no i'm not attacking you you're awesome but <laughs> right <laughs> this thing is hurtful in this way and yep. it might not to you but it does to other people and you should be open to at least listening to them uh exactly. anyway uh, that debate has come up a lot in the harry potter fandom like sometimes people will be like how dare you say that it's like, right. I'm criticizing because I love it. I'm yeah. criticizing because I want to see it get better. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Uh, uh, criticizing with love and care. Uh, totally on board with that. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on to the Deeply Geeky podcast. Uh, as a reminder, people can find you on the internet at uh, Sims, S-I-M-S, on Twitter. Super easy. And, of course, on MuggleCast. Yes. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun there, and maybe we'll have you on the show sometime. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. I'd be happy to talk about uh, uh, all the gay stuff in Harry Potter anytime. Yeah, <laughs> and the fan fiction you've read, because me and the others, <laughs> I don't think we've read much. <laughs> right. All right, thanks, Andrew, and uh, have you. a great night. You too. If you've listened all the way to the end of this podcast, you're probably really into this content. So please consider paying for it by going to patreon.com slash deeplygeeky and becoming a backer. You'll get access to content early and other cool perks. It's a good idea.